Hey, good morning. Um, we're going to go ahead and start reading our scripture for today. It's Acts chapter 3, uh, the first few verses. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate at, of the temple of prayer, of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. wanted to, to talk about this a little bit this morning, but before we do, I um, just want to pray real quick. Father, thank you for for the time and the opportunity that we have together. Thank you for blessing the words that come out of my mouth, and thank you for, for having me say what you'd have me say. Thank you for open ears and open hearts and, and open minds. In Jesus' name, amen. So to start out, let's, let's not forget and let's try to remember that the disciples were Jewish. Um, the very opening of this section of Scripture, this little excerpt of Scripture, gives us a, a clear picture that these these two men, Peter and John, were walking up to the temple. They were, they were headed there for the hour of prayer. Um, a daily hour happened twice a day. Um, they would go up and, and pray as Jews and offer sacrifices and everything like that. Now, we know, looking back, and, and they knew at the time that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, but this is something that they would always do. And with that being something that they would always do, that the, the Jews of the time would do on a daily basis, um, that was a prime place for people to stop and people to sit and ask for alms and people to, to beggars to hang out, right? So the temple in Jerusalem where they were headed had a few gates. Now, which gate is the beautiful gate? Nobody's really 100% certain. There's there's about 17 different ways I tried to figure it out, and I found about 17 different scholars saying 17 different things. And what we can agree on is that the word for um, temple can be, or not, <laughs> the word for gate can be interpreted as both beautiful and as ripe. Um, ripe or the right time or season. Um, that's, that's an important thing that we'll come back to later. And, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that the word and the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that preceded this instance, this meeting, um, is a coincidence in, in the biblical text. So let's back up and we'll look at verses 3 to 5. Um, verses 3 to 5 is where Peter and John are seen by the lame man standing at the side of the, or sitting at the side of the, uh, the path entering this gate. 
he asks them to receive alms. Um, essentially, just a beggar. Peter directs his gaze at him. John directs his gaze at him. And he said, look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Now, the thing that he was expecting to receive, obviously, is, is maybe a piece of bread or some, some coins. Um, but that's not what Peter and John were able to give him. Peter and John didn't have any money. We read that. Um, let's look at how the beggar saw Peter and John. Willie James Jennings says, Disciples are watched, especially by those in need. Disciples must be seen, especially by those in need. It's kind of like you're wearing this big sign that says, I'm here to help, or how can I help you when you walk around saying, I'm a Jesus follower, when you're, you're a disciple of Christ, when you, when you try to walk in the footsteps of the apostles and the people that, that came before, you know, the great preachers of our time, those, those evangelicals, those Martin Luthers, those, those guys that just led this whole movement and brought so many people to Christ. So you're wearing this sign and, you know, it's kind of like being invited to somebody's house for dinner. You always want to say, oh, my, my initial reaction is to say, um, what would you, what, what do you want me to bring? Or what can I, what, what kind of stuff would you like for me to bring? Well, my mom has ingrained in me over the years to ask people, what can I bring? It's a proactive form of help. It's a proactive form of how can I help you? What, what can I do to make your life just a little beggar, better? So we see Peter and John look at this man. We see this man look at Peter and John. They see each other. This happens in other instances in the Bible. This happens multiple times. In chapter 9, verse 40, Peter turns to look at the body of Tabitha before he raises her from the dead through Christ. Paul steadfastly beholds a lame man in, in chapter 14 before he heals him, before he tells him to stand up and walk. And another miracle, Paul in chapter 16 again turned and looked at um, the man inflicted with, a whole, with an evil spirit before he cast him out. There's, there's something to be said for seeing somebody, for, for looking at them, for, for engaging with them and and understanding their predicament before you're able to, uh, before the Holy Spirit works through you and before you're able to, to touch their hearts on that, that Jesus, that God love level. Um, so we see the Holy Spirit promised in Acts chapter one. We see the Holy Spirit arrive in chapter two. And then in, in chapter three, the Holy Spirit's work begins through the apostles. Um, this is a continuation of the Gospels. You have the Gospels, and Acts 3 picks up right where they left off. There's even some overlap in the, the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus ascends to heaven, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus ascends to heaven. Uh, and, and Jesus tells the disciples to go make disciples, tells the apostles to go make disciples of all nations. Um, so as this continues, as this 
this third chapter, we start to see the opening up of the use of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit working through the disciples. We see this story and this, this incident where the disciples, Peter and John, heal this lame man, come to fruition with the temple, and the, the temple organizers, the people in charge of the temple, don't look fondly on this. They don't like this. So this continues into, into chapter four where he's pulled in front, where they're pulled in front of this council of priests and they said, by whose name and which power have you done this? Um, the obvious answer, uh, why we're all sitting here is because of the name and because of the power of Jesus. Uh, a direct stare, again, sets the move of the Spirit. Jesus, Jesus and the Holy Spirit work through John and Peter. John and Peter tell the, the temple council it was through Jesus. Jesus is the true king. Jesus is the true king of Israel. He's, he's risen from the dead and he is alive and he's living in us and he gives us the power to do this. But very first, they looked at the beggar. They looked at the man. Man had been a man who had been carried to the temple on a daily basis. That all of the the powers and principalities in the in the temple knew this. They'd seen him there day after day. A man that had been lame since birth. They'd probably seen him carried there as a child. Um, a man that was unable to physically provide for himself. So when the apostles bring this man who is outside of the temple. He's definitely not allowed inside. They bring him into the temple after he's healed. He's standing there with him at the, at the council, at the trial, per se. Um, we see a, a clear image of Jesus' heart to bring everybody under the love of God. Jesus' heart and, and God's heart to bring everybody into the fold, to, to, it's all-inclusive for all of mankind, Jew and Gentile alike. There's a lot of parallels that could be drawn between the friction between the Jews and the Gentiles, the friction between um, Jews and Samaritans, the friction between all of the different clashing, warring tribes, nations, and everything like that with what's going on today. Um, there's segments of our society that are, that are crying out loud to be heard. Now, some of, this, some of the seeing each other, some of the seeing other people is, is an empathetic response. And I, I talked about that a few weeks ago, and, and my beautiful bride will tell you that I am not the best at empathy. I have a hard time understanding what she means when she says simple things like, I'm tired or... I've been working all day or I'm exhausted or I'm overwhelmed, that kind of thing. But what it comes down to is that's not, that's what I, I was made to be empathetic, but I'm not a professional at it. I want to fix it. I want to know what the action steps are. I want to know what do I do? What do I do to make this better? Because that's the only way that I know how to do it. And sometimes the correct answer is just to look 
and see that she's wounded as I walk into the gates? Sometimes the correct answer is just to look and, and understand that there's a, a group in our society that feels like they've been slighted or, or that hasn't had the same opportunity that we've had and understand that they're there. Understand how they've been affected by, by things that we've done intentionally or non-intentionally, things that I might not have even done, um, things that somebody else might not have done. But our, passive, our passivated, passiveness, passivicity, I don't know what the right word is, um, so we're going to go with passivity, and we'll use that word. Um, but that is acceptance. Silence is acceptance, right? It's seeing someone and really seeing someone through the eyes of Christ that opens up that door, opens up the door for the move of the Spirit, opens up the door for the love of Christ to shine through. Dan White, in his book, uh, Love Over Fear, talked about, um, he said, we linger in a time when wholeness and loss, healing and brokenness, liberation and justice, and injustice, life and death coexist in dynamic tension with each other. And I was listening to a, a podcast and I tried to find it so I could reference it and do the right thing. So if you're listening to this podcast guy, I'm sorry. Um, but it said, it was talking about racial injustice and everything like that. And the guy said, a lot of the times it's a fear over what I can lose instead of looking at what I can gain that keeps people from connecting. And, and I think that even the disciples to some degree struggled with this. Um, in John chapter nine, Jesus heals a blind man. And the very first thing the disciples do is they look at him and say, Jesus, why? Why is this guy blind? Did he do something? Did his, ooh, I almost knocked over my podium. Did he do something? Did his father do something? Did his parents do something? And they spend time with Jesus and they watch him. They watch him sit down and break bread. You know, one of our core values here at the Mill Church, sitting down and, and spending time with each other and breaking bread over a meal, conversing, processing life together, right? They spend this time with Jesus until his departure. And then finally, after Jesus departs and the Holy Spirit is promised, the Holy Spirit shows up in Acts chapter two and then Acts chapter three, they're ready. And I don't think, like I said earlier, that it's a coincidence. They were at the beautiful gate, the beautiful gate, which could also be translated as the ripe gate or the right season gate. The gate that... that this is your opportunity and this is your chance to look at somebody, to see somebody, to hold and behold that person, to show them through Jesus and through, through your actions and through your, your heart. And maybe it's just sitting there talking to them to show them the love of Christ. Christ. 
and to allow them to come into the, into the, into the family of God. But in order to do that, we've got to spend time with Jesus. My predisposition, personally, is not to be very empathetic. My predisposition is want to give me a checklist, check everything off. That's all the stuff that I got to do. But when I spend time with Jesus, I can tell a difference in my day when I wake up and the first thing that I do is spend time in the Word. I can tell a difference. I, th- I bet you my wife, Jamie, she's probably watching right now. She can tell you. She's nodding her head. That there's a difference in my day when I wake up and spend time in the Word. She might not know that's why there's a difference in my day. I generally don't walk around my house saying, hey, I'm reading the Bible today. Um, but I bet you she can tell the difference. Some days are a lot better than other days. Some days I'm snippy. Some days I'm short. Some days I just get frustrated and have to walk away because I cannot see her, because I'm not leaning into the Spirit enough to to allow the Spirit to work through me, to allow me to see her. That's the same thing with people outside of our family too. Take the time. Spend the time in the Word. Spend the time reading and praying and worshiping and praising, honoring. Give your heart the opportunity to connect with God's heart and give yourself the time to sit down and to look and to see somebody else. To open the door for that move of the Spirit to come in and for God to work in wonderful ways and the eyes of the Lord look to and fro for whom he can show himself strong, right? Let him, let him be strong. You gotta give him, the, give him the opportunity. You have to sit down. I have to sit down. We all have to sit down and we have to see each other. Be that on the grand national scale of all of the societal things that are going on right now or the small home-sized scale of me and my wife. That's where God's going to be. God's going to show up in big ways, in the small ways. He wants to be in that with you. He wants to join you in your suffering, join you in your happy, join you in your sad, join you in your pain. He can join you and then for you to help him, help other people join him and help him join other people. Slow down and look and see somebody. I think right now we're at the beautiful gate or the ripe gate for a lot of our society to learn how to do that. For a lot of our society to be able to slow down and understand and see the things that are going on around them and to be able to, to, to link up and to be able to sit across the table and let their testimony be heard and hear the testimony of somebody else. 